that. So if it sounds a little different or if you hear noise in the background or cars in the background, it's because we're reading from my car. And so anyway, um, I'd like you like you to go ahead and, and turn to Matthew chapter 14. And as we ask every time we read this is to ask three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? God, what are you revealing concerning people? And God, what are you revealing concerning me? Those are the three questions I want you to ask as we prayerfully read through the scriptures today. With that being said, let's get right to it. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have brought us all together, Lord, in different places and different locations. I might be in a car, another one in a living room, another one in a lounge somewhere, wherever it is that you have called us and brought us, Lord, you have brought us together. And so we're grateful for that. We thank you for the privilege of coming together and spending time to read your word. So, Lord, speak to us today. Um, Lord, encourage us, inspire us, Lord, with your word as we journey and navigate through the scriptures. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 14, and I will read from verse 1, and it says this. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had said to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. When Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore, he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. So she, having been prompted by her mother, said, give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl. And she brought it to her mother. Then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. And when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go to the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, 
he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Jesus answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the boat was boisterous, sorry, <coughs> when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized them, they sent out all the surrounding, they sent out into all the surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as, as touched it were made perfectly well. Chapter 15, then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, why do your disciples transgress the, sorry, transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded saying, honor your father and mother. And he who curses his father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says that to his father and mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Hmm. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines, the doctrines, the commandments of men, sorry. When he called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, Are you still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, 
murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region, cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. <laughs> and she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. <clears throat> Jesus departed from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee, and went up to the mountain and sat there. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Then his disciples said to him, Where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven, and a few little fish. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up seven large baskets full of the fragments that were left. Now those who ate were four thousand men, besides women and children. And he sent away the multitude, got into the boat, and came to the region of Magdala. Chapter 16. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. 
And they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus being aware of it said to them, oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Whew. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that they should go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he answered in turn and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. <laughs> Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the son of man will come in glory, sorry, in the glory of his father with his angels, then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. I'm going to stop right here uh, at Matthew chapter 16 and uh, and just to share a few thoughts with you guys, um, so much here in this text. And as you know, we're not here to exegete or to expostulate the text. We're not here to break down elements of the text. And, and while there's a space and a place for that, what I would like to do is, is I would like to m most certainly commit 
to just hearing what are some main themes? What's the, what's the big thing that God wants us to leave with today? That's really what my motivation is with you all. And that's what I want to do in this time. And I can't help but be moved by the, uh, the engagement and the interaction that Jesus has with the disciples. I can't help but see it and go, man, do the disciples remind me of who we are as disciples of Jesus Christ? How sometimes we hear what Jesus says, we hear the word, but then we miss the point. Or sometimes we read the scriptures and we just miss the point. Um, Jesus is teaching and he's using parables and he would think by now they would catch it. But every time Jesus would use a parable and he would teach it, they would say, ah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'd be like, so Jesus, what, so what did you mean by that? And then, of course, Jesus sounding audibly frustrated here in the text would be like, come on, you guys still don't get it? <laughs> it really teaches us about God's patience, how patient God can be with us, even in the midst of our ignorance. Like we can, we can still be ignorant of the message of the gospel, ignorant of, we may know the gospel, but be ignorant of elements of the gospel, be ignorant of um, the, the depth and the breadth of the gospel, be ignorant of the depth of the message of Jesus. And yet, while we're ignorant of that, while we may not have our full understanding, God is patient with us because he knows that we're on a journey. These disciples, just think about this for a second. Jesus is, his mind goes way beyond the moment. Jesus's mission is for eternity for moments and moments after them, for generations and generations after them, for a people a millennia from now. We are the people now who are two millennia away from this story, over two millennia away from this story. And yet, as Jesus is planning, he's got even us in mind. And just think about how grand and how big this vision is to see a restored humanity, a people being brought to unity with him in Christ, in God. And how earth would be restored and humanity would be restored. And yet the message and the mission he's entrusting, this big vision, this big message, this big vision to these people. To these people who seem to get it wrong more often than they get it right. To these people who seem like, man, they just don't understand. They don't, they don't even, they haven't learned the language yet. They haven't learned the lingo yet. They haven't learned the message yet. They, they're still missing it. Even when Jesus is teaching, it's almost like Jesus has to go back and go, okay, all right, I have to explain this to you again. Goodness gracious. Ah. <sighs> And yet these are the people who Jesus is thinking further ahead. These were the people that he selected to lead this movement. These are the people that Jesus has called to lead this movement. These people, ignorant, don't fully get it, miss it more often than they get it. 
really rarely ever get it. These people are the ones that Jesus is like, yep, yeah, yeah. Those are the ones that I'm going to. Those are the ones I'm going to, 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 to launch this movement with. Yeah, yeah, those are the ones. Why not the knowledgeable? Why not the brilliant? Why not the more quote-unquote intelligent? Why not the more capable to get it? Why not the more wise? Why not? Why these people? If there's anything that I want to encourage you with today, is God isn't looking for your sermonic brilliance. God is not looking for you, for the depth of your understanding in the scriptures. God isn't looking for how educated and erudite you are. He's not looking at how resourced you are to call you on this mission. He's not looking for the people who are, you know, who've got the, the seminary degrees and who have a deep understanding of scripture. God isn't looking for people who seem to get it together. It's funny how the people that seem the most qualified to do it are the ones that God doesn't generally call. And it's those that seem the least qualified. Those are the ones that God calls to usher his movement. God does not call the most brilliant. God calls the most willing. Let me say that one more time. God does not call the most brilliant. He calls the most willing. He doesn't call the most perfect. Peter was nowhere near perfection. The disciples were nowhere near perfection. But if there's one thing that they did is that when Jesus called them, they gave their life to him. When they, were, when they heard the call of God on their life, they submitted their life to him. I think sometimes when we uh, share the story of Jesus and, and, and we share the, the message of the gospel or we share these, the, the narrative of Jesus on, on earth, the gospels, and we see the story of when Jesus peeks, picks up Peter uh, or, or Andrew or he picks up Philip or Thomas and he picks up Matthew, we sometimes, you know, we see those stories presented in very isolated ways. Like, you know, he shows up, he sees Peter, and he meets Peter right there, and he speaks to Peter. It's not to say that it wasn't isolated and that he was having a one-on-one -on -one encounter with Peter. But Jesus also spent time in the public square sharing the message of the gospel, preaching the message of the kingdom. Jesus was not just one-on-one -on -one cherry-picking. He would have one-on-one -on -one interactions with those who he has called but just know that it wasn't just these guys who followed him there was a whole group that followed Jesus pay very close attention to this many heard Jesus's message many people heard Jesus's message and yet the people who ended up leading this movement were the ones who said, I'm going to follow this man. There's so many of us here who hear the call of God on our lives. We, 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 we know 
that God is calling us. But the first thing that comes to our mind is, but I'm not trained. I don't have a seminary degree. I don't, I don't even fully know the Bible well. I don't fully understand it. I'm still trying to get it. I'm still, some of us, that's why we're here. It's because we know there's a calling on our life and we want to know more. But how many of us have discredited God's calling because of our awareness that we don't know everything? And yes, you need to be trained and you need to be equipped and you need to know his word and you need to grow in his word and all of that. But God wants your willingness more than he wants your expertise. He wants your submission more than he wants your expertise. He wants your heart more than he wants your expertise. Look at the grand mission statement of Jesus. He says, upon this rock, as we read, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He said to him, you, Peter, look at the text again. He's telling Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. And I'm going to get back there in a minute. And he says this grand mission in this grand plan, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he brings Peter in and says, Peter, I have you in mind when I build my church. And then just a few verses later, he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Peter is called and yet Peter has not arrived. Peter is called. God's got a plan for him, an anointing on his life. But Peter has not arrived. And yet even after receiving rebuke, it does not take away from the calling on his life. It's funny how we will discredit God's call on our lives due to moments of failure. It's funny how we'll discredit God's plan through us due to a moment lost, a thing that was done, a thing that was said, an error that was made, an offense that was made, a sin that was committed. We will discredit the promise of God on our lives because of the errors that we make along the way. Not realizing that God's promises never return to him void. And what gives us access to the promise of God is our faith and trust in him. Peter is going to mess up. And this is not the first time that Peter is going to mess up. Peter is going to make errors and it's not the first time that Peter is going to make errors. This right here is the beginning of a series of mistakes that Peter is going to make. But remember what happens in the book of Acts chapter two, that upon the Holy Spirit coming down, the first revival sermon that was preached was by this fool named Peter, who was a fool for the, who was a fool in the culture, but he was a fool for Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm going to use this fool 
And this fool is going to preach in front of thousands. How do we know he preached in front of thousands? Because the scriptures tell us that 3,000 came to faith. That thousands came to faith from Peter's message. God is not looking for the most refined. God isn't looking for the most put together people. God is looking for people who will submit and give their lives to him, who will deny themselves and who will take up the cross, not because they got it together, but because they know they desperately depend on him for their existence, desperately depending on him, living for his glory and not for theirs alone. This is the difference. Have you noticed that Jesus is talking, just so you guys know, the Pharisees are the teachers of their time. The Sadducees were the lawyers of their time. These were the philosophers of their time. These were erudite, educated men, many of whom were wealthy. They had money, they were successful. They were at the top of, of Jewish society. <coughs> Jesus met centurions. Jesus had encounters with rich people, wealthy people, influential people. church, Jesus used Peter, James, John, Philip, Thomas, Matthew. These are the people that Jesus called. Be encouraged today, fam. Because God is not asking for your, for your deep insight and wisdom. He's asking for your willingness. He will provide you what you need. He will give you the wisdom you need. Matter of fact, it takes you realizing that you have no wisdom to then say, Lord, I need your wisdom. <laughs> they say, Lord, I depend on you. This is the ministry that I am in, family. This is the ministry of the gospel. It's the one that's in total and complete submission to him to know that apart from him, we can do nothing. It's a daily denial of self to say, God, the moment you start feeling yourself is the moment that God can't move through you. It's the moment when you go, God, I can do nothing, absolutely nothing without you. And it's not the people who worship because Jesus says there are those who worship and they worship him in vain. Matthew 15, verse nine, as we read, they worship me in vain. You know what it means to be in vain? It means it, it's valueless. It dissipates. It's worship. And they're worshiping God. And he said, even though they worship me, it's vain worship. Why? Because they teach doctrines. 
They teach, sorry, they teach as doctrines the commandments of men. They make their own rules. They tweak the rules. They make the rules work for themselves. It is legalism, and legalism is another form of idolatry. And he's saying that those who worship me through legalism, they worship me in vain. It's vain worship. True worship is one that is in total submission, the denial of self to take up the cross. <coughs> if you notice, the people who are touched by Jesus are the ones who are broken, the ones who are rejected, the ones who are in need of healing, the sick. They are the ones who were drawn to Jesus. So it isn't surprising at all that there's no room for Jesus for people who've got it all together. Let me say that again. There's no room for Jesus for people who have it all together. If you got this all right, got it all together, you, you are in need of nothing, then why do you need Jesus? You may not be sick, but you may be in need. And the moment that you have, don't ever think you do not need him because he is the source of your life. I say all that because I could say many more things, but this is really where the Lord is guiding me and leading me. This is where the word is taking me today. It's for us to see these disciples and as Jesus is performing these miracles, the five loaves of fish, sorry, the five loaves of bread and the two fish, the seven loaves, he says it. He's like, you've seen the demonstration, but you don't even see the message in the demonstration. Jesus is actually demonstrating the kingdom. I don't have enough time to break that down here. Maybe we can do a Bible study another time. But Jesus is demonstrating the kingdom <clears throat> to the disciples. They're not going to get it until later but he's demonstrating the kingdom to them. The miracles that he's performing is a demonstration of the kingdom. And so he says, how do, so now when, when Jesus speaks of the leaven, he's like, how, how do you not understand what I'm speaking to you about? How, how do you not understand that I'm not talking about bread? How do you not understand that I'm actually talking about the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. How, how did you not get that? That's Jesus' frustration. But notice that the moment that Jesus rebukes them about how do you not get that, then they got it. Verse 12 tells us that they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. <clears throat> If anybody knows about leaven, um, it was the yeast of that time. It was how bread rose in those days. And what, would they, what they would do is they would take the, the dough and they would place it on a basket or place it on a, on a, um, on a, on a plate or, <clears throat> and then they would leave the bread out in the elements and allow the elements to cause the bread to rise, unlike what we do now with yeast. It was the yeast of their time. 
And so the leaven would enter into the bread and cause the bread to expand and to make bread bread. The thing is that leavened bread is bread that is exposed to the elements. If the elements are toxic, then the bread cannot be good. And if you were to eat of that bread, it may look like bread, it may taste like bread, but it may be a bread that kills you. It's the reason why when we see the message, uh, we can see the message of the gospel and the ministry of Jesus and what is being accomplished in the book of Matthew pointing back to, uh, pointing back to the Passover. When he, when God had commanded them to eat of unleavened bread, to not allow the bread to be exposed to the elements because there were, there was a death in the elements. In that time, it was a tradition that the firstborn son would be the first to eat of the bread in the house for a meal. <clears throat> but if the bread were leavened in a toxic environment, <laughs> if the bread were leavened in a toxic space, if the bread were exposed in toxicity, then eating of that bread will lead you to death. And it would be the firstborn son who would eat of this leavened bread. And, to, and if that firstborn ate of that leavened bread, the firstborn would be the first to die of the leavened bread. And so Jesus is telling them that the leaven of the doctrines and the commandments of men if you allow the bread to be exposed to that element, then it will be leavened in a way that will lead to death. The doctrines of men do not lead to life, they lead to death. And so the unleavened bread is the purity of the environment. The unleavened bread is the one that is not exposed to the environment, but it's a purity outside of the environment. And this is why they celebrated a feast and ate unleavened bread. And so my last thought for you today, family, is what kind of bread are you eating? That's it. What kind of bread are you eating? You can watch YouTube all day. <laughs> you can get sermons all day. You can get messages all day. Yes, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus, give us this day our daily bread. Yes, but what kind of bread are you eating? Have you eaten bread exposed by the elements? Have you eaten bread that's exposed by the culture? Have you eaten bread that simply seeks to appease to the culture? Have you eaten bread that's exposed to toxic elements? Do we preach Christ or are we preaching morality? Are we eating from the bread of life or are, you, are we eating from a leavened bread? A bread that has been exposed to the toxic elements. A bread that when we eat it doesn't bring us to life but actually brings us to death. 
the warning that he gave the disciples then is a warning that we ought to also pay very close attention to. To ask ourselves, are we preaching Christ or are we preaching the law? Are we preaching Christ or are we preaching rules? Are we preaching Christ or are we preaching culture? Are we preaching Christ or are we preaching morality? Are we preaching Christ or are we preaching five steps to your best life now? Are we preaching Christ? Because anything other than Christ leads to death. Anything other than Christ leads to death. Is it bad to read, to read the best steps, five steps to a better life? All those things are great, but apart from Christ mean nothing. What's in your bread? Is it Jesus and politics? Is it Jesus and your culture? Is it Jesus and your your ethnicity? Is it Jesus and your race? Is it Je what's your bread? What kind of bread are we eating? So fam, be encouraged today. And God is not asking for your expertise. He's asking for your faith and trust in him. And when you trust in him, trust in him completely. Do not chase after the doctrines and the commandments of men. Seek to hear the word in its totality. To receive the total, the full message of the gospel. And if, you, if out of that you don't get Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, for his glory alone, then fam, you can sound smart, but you know nothing. You can sound brilliant, but you know nothing. But the person who knows a lot less, but knows Christ and knows what I just said, is eating of the unleavened bread and that person knows more than anybody else in the world. That is the most knowledgeable person. So fam, I'm praying for you today that you would trust in the Lord, to trust in his calling over your life, to not diminish the call that God has on you, and also to look at the environment that you place, that you find yourself in, that you place your reading and understanding of the word in, does it need to be purified from the commandments of men? Love y'all, fam. Father, I thank you, Lord, for our brothers and sisters who are here as we come together to read your word. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you inspire us every morning. I thank you, Lord, that you convict us, you correct us, but even when you convict and you correct, you still called us. Ha, isn't that a privilege? And I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for the call that you have in each and every person's life here, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you have anointed this group of people, Lord, that you have called them for such a time as this. So, Father, bless them today. Lord, let them be reminded of the call. There are those who have heard the call but have been so far from the call because they've been discouraged. Let them be reminded of the call. The upward call. The upward call. Bless them, Lord God, today. And allow them, Lord, to trust in you. To rely on you. 
and to have confidence in you. And we say that in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, fam. Love y'all. I will see you guys <clears throat> on Monday. No, sorry. I'll see you guys on Sunday night. We're going to dig into our Bible study. And, uh, and yeah, I look forward to continue to dig in because I feel like we're going to make some real, real good progress on Sunday um, through the book of Ephesians. Love y'all, fam. I will see you guys on Sunday. God bless you guys.